1: We need
2: to think properly about our commitment to Christ. That's verses 1 and 2, because that's going to relate directly to the gifts, those seven motivational gifts we talked about. So I have to think, first of all, about my commitment. If I'm not committed to Christ, then the gifts will never really be useful in my life. I'll have them. But they'll be dormant or they'll be abused. They just won't be useful. And of course, if they're not useful, then the kingdom of God isn't really
0: advanced. People want to feel like their lives matter. Lots of people feel useless, maybe even worthless. But that's because deep down inside, they want to have a life of significance. That's why people join kooky organizations and cults. They think they have found a place where they fit in pastor mark will be teaching about this desire for significance and how it ultimately can only be fulfilled by becoming part of god's family you'll be urged to get out of your comfortable lifestyle and step up to the challenge god has for you remember there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of pastor mark's teaching we'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Romans chapter 12 as he continues this series called Motivational Gifts.
1: Lord, let us hear your lessons for
2: Turning your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. This opening illustration is probably more for the guys and the gals, but we'll get to you later, ladies. Miami uh, had an opportunity, the Dolphins, to... Uh, Upgrade in the area of quarterback. Ever since Dan Marino, they've been struggling. Well, which player has more worth? Is it Breeze or is it (laughs) Culpepper? Good. We've split the church again. Well, Miami figured Breeze wanted about... How many million? Sixty. And he wanted 10 up front. Now, he's just coming off surgery, so nobody knows whether that's a good value or not. Miami couldn't convince him to come down, so they didn't feel he was worth it. So they went to Culpepper, who's also coming off of surgery, but not commanding that kind of a salary. It's an interesting statement, isn't it? Which player has more worth? As you look around here, who has more worth? Who has more value? In the kingdom of God, when we look at people, how do we evaluate them? and What kind of worth do they have? Well, that's really what all this opening part of this chapter is about. Let's begin in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, and we'll read all the way through verse 8. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. In other words, what God's will is for you, His good and pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, Paul speaking, I say to, how many? Every one of you. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and those members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, who are many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. Now we have different gifts If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. That's the passage in context. We learn in verses 1 and 2 that the way we think relates to the way we live, and then of course it equates to what kind of person we are or become. We remember we are to offer or present or yield ourselves to God in body, soul, and spirit because we learn with guilt that doesn't help us very much. Fear doesn't help us very much. So we have to offer yourself. That means we became a living sacrifice. Let me remind you a living sacrifice, not a dead one, a living, has a renewed mind. And that renewed mind thinks like God. We have, in some ways, the mind of God. That's my goal. That's your goal, to think like God thinks. That's successful thinking. That comes from a renewed mind. Second, that renewed mind equates into a transformed lifestyle. As a man thinks, so is he. And that means I'll become this process more and more and more like Christ. You and I are in that process as I die to myself and live for him, I'm aiming toward that hundred percent commitment. i never I never really get there. None, there's not a person in this room that's a hundred percent committed. We're headed there. we're doing better than we did, but that's still a process. So you're going to see all through this chapter. I'm going to divide it up into some areas, and you're going to see we need to think properly about our commitment to Christ. That's verses 1 and 2, because that's going to relate directly to the gifts, those seven motivational gifts we talked about. So I have to think, first of all, about my commitment. If I'm not committed to Christ, then the gifts will never really be useful in my life. I'll have them, but they'll be dormant or they'll be abused. They just won't be useful. And of course, if they're not useful, then the kingdom of God isn't really advanced. So we need to think properly about our commitment to Christ. Now, let's go back to verse 3. By the way, this is the only verse I'm going to do, but it'll take me an hour to do it. So it's all right. Because it's incredibly important. Notice what Paul says to us. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, which is everyone that's here listening, anyone that reads the Bible, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. So notice we have a do not, but rather think of, so we have a do. So we have this contrast already, and notice in both of those contrasts, the negative and the positive, it's in your Bibles, I'd encourage you to circle a word, two words, think, think, It's all about our thinking again. So, he says, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather, here it is again, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. So, number two principle, which relates to verse three. We need to think properly about ourselves and our worth. So the focus of this that Paul's addressing, it leads to the gifts, because as we already read earlier in the passage, there's these seven motivational gifts spread around in the body. Every single Christian here has at least one. But before I relate to those, before I relate to you, I have to think properly about myself. In other words, if my thinking about myself isn't correct, then again, we're going to have trouble with these motivational gifts. They won't ever really work the way that they should. So Paul says, I'm going to warn you. He says, there's a wrong way to think about yourself, and there's a right way to think about yourself. And it's important that we understand the differences. Now, before we go into those two patterns of thinking, let me talk a little bit about, well, a word that we don't like a lot in the church But I think it's valuable, and you'll see why as I go through this. It's the word esteem or self-esteem. The word esteem simply means to regard with respect or honor. And of course, self-esteem would be to regard myself with respect. I honor myself, or I have pride in myself. Now, we know what the Bible says about that, but... Let's just think about it for a moment as we go through. Now, where do you, and the world is big on this and we have to be careful with it, where do you get your esteem, your worth? Where do you get it? Well, typically, there's lots of ways, but typically these three ways are the ways that the world says we're to get our worth, our value. But really, that's incorrect. So our worth or esteem doesn't come from, number one, what we do. Now, does it? Well, a little bit, because a guy likes to do things, and his, especially uh, most guys get their esteem from their job, and many ladies get their esteem in some ways from the home, nesting and doing all that stuff, plus a job. Of course, obviously they're working 24-7, and all most guys are just at work, and come home and let them do the rest. Ladies, I was expecting any man somewhere, like, help me, something, but I, I didn't hear anything. It's all right. So, again, that's okay in a small measure, but think about this. If I get my worth from what we do, guess what that means? I'm going to be constantly trying to prove my worth by doing what? More. And we've listened to that lie from all kinds of places. We'll work ourselves to death trying to be somebody. Because my worth comes from doing, not from being. Now, you say, well, I don't really understand what you mean. Well, think about this. One of our elders the other day went and to a university and did a kind of a thing, and he was on the panel in apologetics, and talking about uh, this is a class in religion throughout the world and war religion, whatever. And on the little three people that were speaking, they had a title before their name, and reverent or rabbi or whatever, and then they came to our elder, and the individual said, well, your name, gave him name. What is the title I put before it? Well, we don't use elder because they'll think us, we're, we're what? Mormons, so we don't do that. So there was no title before it. So the person didn't know how to handle that. See, they're in college. Ph.D., B.S., master's degree, post-whatever. They, so they just drew a blank line and they put his name. <laughs> now you see this. Ph.D., 12-year PhD blank. Well, who do you want to listen to? Well, the blank guy is probably blank. But actuality, the blank guy is the only one that had anything to say. The other two were too smart to have anything to say. You say, well, do we really go by titles of that? Well, sure you do. That's, we look at what you've done. What is your position at work? Vice president, wow. Senior manager, wow. Housekeeper, okay. <laughs> Do you think that happens? Oh, sure it does. Could it happen in a church? Sure. <laughs> Senior pastor. I wish I could have said that at 24 because it would have had more zip. You know, at 62, it's, yeah, no kidding. (laughs) But whatever. So we don't want to get our worth just from what we do. Second, we don't want to get our worth from what we have. But a lot of people give worth to what you have. Where do you live? I live in Lansing Island. Really? Wow. What kind of car do you have? Woo! What do you have? Oh. (laughs) Now, am I honest? We look at that. So we go with all this kind of stuff. And pastors, when they go to conferences, one of the first questions quite often, where are you from? Whatever. What do you have there? Like, how big a congregation do you have? Oh, more than 6,000. Wow. 120. Oh. <laughs> we do those kind of things, don't we? Not just church, not just pastors. We all do those kind of things. You understand that. How big's your corporation, whatever. But Solomon said he went down that road of stuff and stuff and stuff and stuff and. Stuff and We found that life doesn't consist in the abundance of stuff. So your worth can't come from what you do and certainly can't come from what we have. Here's one that's even worse. This is hard for all of us. If your worth comes from what people think of you, you're driven constantly by people other than God. Now, we all want people to like us. I mean, for sure. But if I'm driven by what people think of me, then really... Well, some of you remember remember your high school yearbook? Most likely to succeed. Then you go back for your reunion. <laughs> and you don't want to even tell them what you... Some people won't even go back for the reunion. Why? Because they were most likely to succeed. And in the world's eyes... They haven't succeeded at all. So we have to be careful in those three areas. And sometimes the enemy is the same thing. Well, if you do this and you fail, what will people think? Well, where does my worth come from then? Where does my esteem come from? It comes from one place. It comes from who God says we are. See, my worth doesn't depend on you. It really doesn't even depend on what I do, or what I have, or what other people think. My worth, my esteem, bottom line, comes from who God says I am. And what God did for me. What did God do for you? Well, he took you, Ephesians 2, from dead in your trespasses and sin, and what? Made us alive with him. Every single one of us. So how much does God love me? Wow. Incredible. I've got this huge list, but I won't go through it all. But just listen to some of the things that God says you are. Just listen to this. I'm a child of God. I'm Christ's friend. I've been justified. I've been bought with a price. I belong to God. I'm a member of the body of Christ. I have direct access to God. Now, that means... Well, I've been accepted by God. Then I have all these other things. I'm very secure. I'm free from condemnation. I'm assured that all things work together for good. I cannot be separated from the love of God. I'm a citizen of heaven. Ephesians says we're already there. I'm hidden with Christ. I can find mercy and grace in the time of need. That's why I can go boldly to the throne. I'm born of God and the evil one cannot overtake me. When I go through trouble and difficulty, I'm sure that that particular trial will never overtake overcome me that God will always provide a way out of escape to me, First Corinthians. So I'm incredibly secure. Well, what if I just got laid off? I'm still secure because he's able to provide for me. Is that correct? Now, here's a third one, talking about significance. People say, well, if you're a Christian, you're not very significant. Are you kidding me? I'm the salt and light of the world. That's pretty significant. I have been chosen to bear fruit. In fact, I'm on the same vine as God. I'm a branch. I have a personal, spirit-empowered witness of Christ. I'm a temple of God. How can you say I'm not significant? God lives in me. He lives in you. I'm God's workmanship, Ephesians 2.10 says, created for good works. I am a minister of reconciliation. That's my job. That's incredibly significant. So, when you think of those, and I'm not going to go through all those. That wasn't my whole purpose. The purpose was basically to give you this one statement, this one line. You need to write it somewhere in your Bible. It'll always remind you where your worth comes from. Here, here it is, and I just put it in my words. God, esteem, or worth. Where does my value come from? It doesn't come from what I have. It doesn't come from what you think about me. It doesn't come from what I do. All of those things are important and what, but my bottom line, my worth doesn't come from those things. My worth comes from God because I belong, I am loved, I am adequate for anything God calls me to, and I am secure. And I call that God esteem. You want to raise your children with God esteem. They've been uniquely created to. Experience exactly that. They belong. We're a part of the family of God. They're love. God loved us before we even knew Him. He laid His life down for us. We're getting ready to celebrate. They're adequate. You say, well, what do you mean adequate? Well, when we go through these seven keys, did anybody here get missed with one of the gifts? No. Every single one of us got a gift. And so we're adequate. And last, I am secure. He who began this incredible good work in me will finish it. That's my worth. Paul actually said many of these things. Why does Paul warn us then about how we think about ourselves? Well, because this. If I have the wrong view of myself in light of these principles, I will never be effective for God. Paul says, I want you to evaluate how you think about yourself. And by the way, we all have to do this quite often. Because there is an enemy that wants us to think wrongly. And we've all been raised in every kind of crazy background in the world. And you're going to see that some of you were raised in places where you felt you had no worth. Some of you ladies have been abused or whatever, or kids or all kinds of It's just hard for you ever to feel you have any worth. Then others, maybe you came from this incredibly rich background and had all these kind of things to you, and, well, you think a little too much of yourself. So we all struggle with these things. There's three ways to look at ourselves. We'll cover these three ways as we go through. Number one, I can look at myself with an inflated ego, too high. In other words, I overestimate how much I think I'm worth. And right by that, you might just write the word pride because that's an area we have to struggle with a little bit. Number two, I can have a deflated ego. I underestimate my value and worth. It's too low. We'll talk about that. Or, and this is what Paul says, I want you to evaluate it. He says, I want you to have this balanced thinking. When you think about yourself I want you to think in a sober way or with sound thinking.
0: Today Pastor Mark taught you that a living sacrifice has a renewed mind that thinks like God does. You were reminded that a person's actions and lifestyle flows from how they think about life. Therefore as a Christ follower your thinking should be lining up with how God thinks about things. This includes changing how you think about yourself, too.
1: You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today, and we'd love to connect with you feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441.
0: Next time, Pastor Mark will continue this series called Motivational Gifts. He'll be talking about your self-worth and what the source of your self-worth can be and what the source should be. He'll talk about why the starting point of your value has to be God rather than other people or even yourself. You'll learn that proper thinking in this area will help in all other areas of your life. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series. That's next time on Lessons for Living.
1: Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a herd Thank you.